Welcome to the MS Dev Show episode number 84. This week we talk with Ali Alvi about the Microsoft Band SDK, a massive breach of 6.3 million children's records by VTech, Build 2016 announced, and Carl Rube Goldberg says Microsoft gear. This episode of the MS Dev Show is brought to you by Infragistics. Their developer toolkits provide world-class controls targeting Windows, Web, iOS, Android, Xamarin Forms, and more. Whether you're an individual developer or part of an enterprise team, they have something for you. Check out the latest today at infragistics.com. Today we have Ali Alvi. He's lead program manager for Microsoft Band, responsible for application platform and developer tools for Microsoft Band. He's been at Microsoft for 14 years and previously worked on the Windows and Internet Explorer teams. Welcome. Thank you, guys. It's good to be here. Yeah. So, uh, Carl, what's going on? I see uh, you got a new keyboard or something? No, no, no. I, I saw something this morning, and I have to add it to last episode's list. So for those of you who are listening, oh, this is on your wish list. So for those of you who are listening out of order, last episode we did kind of, you know, where we had our hardware in the past, what we're presently yeah. using that's different, and what we want for the future. Well, I love backlit keyboards. And there's a Corsair K70 RGB that lets you customize the color of the backlight per key. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that that's exactly what I need. And that's just awesome. Unfortunately for me, it's not quite perfect because it's a mechanical keyboard, and I like the very short throw, very slim. I was going to ask you about that because at first I thought you were going to come on here and be like, I I need to have a mechanical keyboard, and I was going to say, what's the deal? No, I'm not a mechanical keyboard person. I know some people are, but I love backlit, and I like customization. So having that per key color control would be amazing. (laughs) Okay. So uh, 220 bucks, that's more than I had budgeted for you, Carl. <laughs> Darn it. <laughs> Sorry about that, man. You're going to have to come up with something uh, a little less expensive. Okay, what do we have for feedback? Yeah, Tim Murphy reached out to us uh, on Twitter about our last episode as well. He says, WTF, MS Dev Show skipped my favorite feature, the end of the game card, sh- uh, the end of the show card game. Seriously, guys, love your show. Learn heaps each week. And <laughs> we find that a ton of people love that card game and we really yeah. appreciate your feedback because you know it next time we're thinking about it we're gonna be like no we're doing it for tim yeah we were we were running long and carl made the executive decision to skip it so i blame carl yeah i'll take all the blame jason likes piling <laughs> it on anyways so what's he get so he wins the infragistic infragistics ultimate license this week and that's a two thousand dollar value and if you want to get mentioned on the show and be entered to win for the next infragistic ultimate license you can email us at feedback at msdevshow.com comment on facebook or stitcher and especially itunes we like those five-star itunes reviews definitely yeah we've given away a ton of these things and we're going to give away i guess 52 more in the upcoming year yeah so that's uh really cool there's tons and tons of chances so uh definitely send us your feedback we get a ton of feedback now and we love it so keep it coming okay so let's jump into news there's some interesting things happened this week uh, the first one, I actually, I don't know how I didn't hear about this, but uh, our friend James mentioned it to me. And uh, basically, the it's this, uh, what is it, VTech? They had a huge breach of a whole bunch of information, um, whole, basically a whole bunch of children records. So they they have these devices and you have to sign up for an account. And I don't know if you have more, more details than that, but there were six point, uh, what was it? 6.3 million children's records exposed. Um, so you can go download these and there's data files out there. And now it sounds like there's even like photos getting leaked and all this other stuff. So this is just a really, really horrendous, um, leak, you know, basically the, the, the leak of the week. I know we've gotten, um, 
a little bit uh, numb to these things, but you know, this is just taking it to a whole nother level. Well, I think what makes it shocking is it's children's records and we normally don't see that. We see like credit cards or, you know, you know, other websites, but nothing that really yeah. puts our children's uh, information at risk. Yeah. Credit cards actually aren't a big deal. And I, you know, it was funny because I was kind of thinking that in, in Troy Hunt here <laughs> in his blog post, we'll have a link to this. He actually mentions that like, he doesn't worry about those. You know, there's limited liability. I think the the limit is $50, but pretty much every credit card on the planet limits your liability to zero if it's ever taken. I've had it happen like three or four times this year and I've never had to pay a penny out of pocket. Um, so that's the credit cards are less of a concern than like information on where you live and information on your kids and that type of thing. So if you would like to be hacked, <laughs> if you want to make a crummy website, um, I have some rules for you. And uh, we talked about this on Slack, Carl. So uh, for, first, uh, never encrypt anything. Um, try to keep everything plain text because it just makes your life easier, right? As a developer, just not encrypting. Um, if you do have to encrypt, make sure you use something well known like MD5. There's really good uh, documentation out there on MD5 hashes. Um, if you're going to take in user input, you know, just don't check it. I mean, if you can't trust your users, who can you trust, right? Um, some other good advice. Um, if you've been hacked, uh, don't worry about it. It'll probably never happen again. I mean, it's like winning the lottery twice. You know, you just, who wins the lottery twice? So if you're, if you're hacked, you're good to go. Like you've just, you've had your one, uh, your one hack event. Um, SSL. Now don't use SSL. There's already too much traffic and you don't want to waste CPU cycles on anything like that. Um, if you have to do validation, just do it client side and be done with it. Don't do it more than one place. Um, and if you do have to use SSL, uh, just make sure you, you just should trust certificates from anyone because if they took the time to generate them, they must be smart. They must know what they're doing. So I would, I would just go ahead and trust those certificates. All right. So do you follow all those rules, Carl? (laughs) (laughs) Let's say, uh, if anybody notices that they're doing that in their own current websites, they should maybe think twice. Yeah. It's just ridiculous because they, this, uh, VTech hack was, basically breaking, you know, it was, it was basically doing, um, all of those rules. I mean, they were, this was a, this was a SQL injection attack on the, on the front end. They were doing MD five hashes of the passwords. That was pretty much all they were encrypting. Um, and essentially it was a SQL injection attack that uh, leaked yeah, all yeah. of the data. Yeah, exactly. Like right on the front, it was just ridiculous. Um, how, how easy this actually was. It's, um, it's just laughable how, um, how bad some of these sites are. So come on, people, build security into your process. Anything else you want to mention on that, Carl or Lee? Nope. Okay. Well, I think you got all the rules right. Absolutely right. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how we developed the Microsoft Band. Now, <laughs> <laughs> I just have one rule. I click on every link in my email. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, especially if you don't know who it came from. I mean, you got to figure out, what, you know, like, what is this? Who is this? Who is this prince from, from another country? From Nigeria. Um, I must click on all these links to, to find out. I mean, that's what a good investigator does. Yes. Okay. So what's new for Windows 10 IoT this fall, Carl? Well, there's a lot of cool stuff, especially this week. The new build became available, pretty much bringing it in line with the fall updates. This or- was my, this was my fault, by the way. I installed the latest insider build on my Raspberry Pi 2. And then, they, uh, then they're about, like, now that Jason did that, we yeah, released the fall update. About three hours before this. And I saw the announcement. And I was like, no, Here, here's the deal, though. I, I was I was like yelling. But uh, <laughs> the, the reality is the tools, like the, the experience on this thing is so easy. Like if you have a Raspberry Pi 2 or if you don't, just go get one for 35 bucks. 
you pop your SD card in your computer, you run this tool and it images it for you. It takes like, I don't know, 20 minutes or something. I mean, I don't even know because you, you just go do something else. Pop this thing into your Raspberry Pi 2 and like you're done. That's it. You can connect to it. You can run, um, um, you know, modern apps on it. That's you can that's hit it. the web really server. Cool. There's it's just awesome and easy to use. Yeah. Yeah. And, and actually, um, so this, if you start clicking around on some of these links in here, uh, it's really cool because they're making a ton of progress on this. The, the tooling around it is getting even better. The, the site for like helping you choose what hardware to use keeps getting better and better. Um, there's even, uh, they also announced a different, uh, essentially a different, um, uh, I don't want to call it a build, like a different edition of this thing as well. So if you're a company that you, you don't want this thing to get updates, uh, if you want to be able to defer those, then there's a different um, edition of the IoT core that you can get as well. Um, another thing, cool thing I saw here was the Windows IoT, and I just started playing with this before the show, but the Windows 10 IoT core dashboard. Um, so this thing... Um, it, it has a whole bunch of samples. Like again, it's all about the onboarding experience. I think, uh, they're making huge strides toward making this just like super, super easy to get up and running so that you can start building something really cool with something like the raspberry Pi. Yeah. I saw somebody give a demo on the IOT dashboard this week and it's just really cool how, oh, yeah. how it's easy to see your data come in there, see, mm-hmm. see it go through stream analytics and into, uh, your database or power BI and it yeah. happens fast. Yep. And if you want to talk to a real IOT device, talk to the Microsoft band. <laughs> so I'll actually talk about that here in just uh, in just a little bit. Um, up next, Bing launches their mobile friendly testing tool. I haven't tried this. So how does this thing work? So uh, uh, you go to the website and uh, you can just type in any URL and it'll tell you if it's um, mobile friendly. Uh, about a year ago, Google uh, announced an equivalent tool. And what was interesting when Google announced theirs is they said, Anybody who fails this mobile friendliness will get penalized in the search engine results. So I'm not sure if Bing is going to be doing the same thing, but mm-hmm. it's a good idea to make sure that your your site is mobile friendly since so many people are probably going to be visiting it from their mobile phones as well. Okay. And MS Dev Show is ready to go, right? Yeah, we get four nice green check marks. Woohoo. Okay, cool. We win. Uh, what's this next one here? Pull to refresh slidable list item controls for XAML UWP apps. Yeah. So I was just randomly surfing the web and I got to this site by a developer called Nikola Matulev at M E T U L E V.com. And he's got this blog post called introducing comments. So he's written this application. And to be honest, I don't even really know what his app does, but he's got some animated gifs of these controls that he's open sourced. I believe they're also on NuGet as well. And they really okay. bring some of the uh, the things that are common to iOS and more or other more modern high end apps like pull to refresh, but also the slideable list. So in Outlook, they do this. If you slide yeah. your your mail one way, it'll archive it. If you or trash it, and if you slide it the other way, you can flag it. Yep. And he has this as a control built in on GitHub. Oh, that's cool. So okay, and, and yeah, what's really cool is that they're both available. So you can go to GitHub and either grab the source code or you can grab it from NuGet. There's tons of ways to get this. And his examples look really good. Yeah. And this is awesome. And yeah, that's kind of uh, just another tip I'd like to have. I didn't want to have two dev tips of the week. So I threw this one in the news <laughs> item. So you, so you cheated is what you're saying. Yes, Carl. I cheated. No, this is awesome because what I like, what I like about this type of thing is, you know, design guidelines, like I'm trying to write code. I'm, I'm not a designer. So I'm like, like, leave me alone. I'm writing code. I don't have time to look at your design guidelines. 
What's even better than design guidelines is like whenever you have a control that just implements those design guidelines for you. And then I don't have to look at anything and I just fall into the pit of success. And, and I, think, I love it. I think one of the things that really helps here is when you're handling these uh, like gesture based where, where you have to like figure out, you know, what is the person doing with their finger on the screen? That gets yep. to be a little bit harder logic that oh, yeah. we're not always used to. And yep. this just does it for us. Cool. Okay, uh, Microsoft Bill, this was actually just a couple hours ago, uh, at the time of this recording at least, announcing Bill 2016. So it's at the Moscone Center again, uh, San Franci- which is in San Francisco, uh, March 30th through April 1st. How many days? Is that three days? That yes, be, right? it's three days. Okay. It's okay, a Wednesday cool. through Friday. Okay. It's a Wednesday? Oh, okay, Yeah, it's cool. a little bit different. Actually, it was really interesting. It, right after... Uh, this announcement came out. My boss called me. He's like, are these dates going to be a problem? Well, I said, if they're a problem, me and my <laughs> wife are probably going to have a long discussion and then she's going to end up being mad afterwards. So, yeah, <laughs> what, what I was going to say is, um, I got to get this first of all, like anybody listening, like don't book your hotel room yet until I do. Um, cause I want, uh, <laughs> a cheap rate and, uh, yeah, I got, I got to get this like approved, like super quick so that I can, uh, uh, you know, get my hotel room. Cause like in, it's in hard for Microsoft two, employees to go to build actually. Right. Well, this year it should be, well, there's always some kind of issue. It depends who you are. Like Ali has no, he's got no issue. Are you, are you going to be speaking? Well, I suppose you probably can't even say anything. No, we, uh, I had a, a session in last year's build. Yeah. In fact, we had the first session on day one, um, uh, which was, uh, you know, it was very well attended. Yeah, um, and speakers actually get to choose one of the two hotels that are right next to Moscone Center. So we had oh, reserved excellent. hotels. Okay. So, yeah, I I hope we can. Uh, I don't know if we will go. Uh, it might not be me. Maybe someone else. But it'd be really yeah. fun to go and check it out. It was really nice last okay. year. Very cool. Yeah, the last two years I've lucked out. I've gotten my, the one year I got one for a hotel room for one. I want to say one fifty five, and then one sixty five for for San Francisco. I mean, like. That's like less than people who actually live there pay. So <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know how that worked. It was some kind of fluke in the system. Um, okay. So hopefully, hopefully I will be there. Hopefully Carl will be there and hopefully we see everybody there. Um, and then the last one here, Carl is doing, uh, just to be confusing, he's doing debug, he's debugging an app while running in continuum with Miracast. So he's using, um, I don't know, like 15 devices in this setup. <laughs> Explain this, Carl. So yeah, I've, been, I've actually been giving a series of talks this week's on continuum and adaptive UIs. And I know one of the things that uh, somebody had brought up is like, well, how do you debug? Because we were showing it with a display dock. And with a display dock, you're using the USB port and plugging oh. it directly into the port. So how can you also plug in USB to your laptop? Because there is no such thing as a USB splitter. This is a digital signal. It's not analog. Mm-hmm. And the key to that is, well, you don't use the display dock. You use it wirelessly. So once you connect wirelessly, then you have the USB port open. So I have a picture of my phone uh, so sitting tablet, on my service. Yeah. So your laptops, you know, your surface connects to the phone via USB. And then I can the wirelessly is, connect to my yeah. TV for continuum. And that's the one thing I didn't okay. have room in that picture for is really awkward to hold the surface, the phone and get it next to the PC while showing the dongle and all that. So okay. I, sh- I showed me on a break point with continuum running on the uh, phone. So okay. it is possible. It is a very good experience and it's a fairly quick experience as well. So Okay, so next time you got to figure out how to get the band and an Xbox into this setup. Oh, I'm sure. And that then, and then we'll talk. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's talk to Ali. And actually, Ali, you know, since we since we were talking about IoT before, 
Um, I don't know if you were familiar with the, the, a project that I did and I'm actually working on a, an iOS version of it now, but the, I did a, I actually used the band SDK to recognize, um, gestures coming off of the band. And then I use that to control a, a PowerPoint presentation. So I don't know if you've seen that, but I actually use that in a, a in a number of, um, um, IOT presentations because it is funny. I see so many people using a raspberry Pi, and you can do like really cool stuff with a raspberry Pi. You can hook cool things up to it, but it kind of bothers me when people take like just a device like that. And they talk about how it's like going to change your life. And it's this little <laughs> box that's sitting there with like a blinking light and maybe a button. And the, you know, they talk about how it's going to change the world. I go up there and I say like, listen, this, this Microsoft band that's on my wrist right now is an actual device. And I'm going to show you how this makes my life better as an IOT device. And then people are like, Oh, well, they can't really argue that that's like not, a, you know, an IOT device improving my life. <laughs> No, so, so very, I, very cool stuff. I haven't seen the the work that you have done. Uh, maybe yeah. I have, but I've, I know there are a lot of people actually really like to do the, exactly the same scenario where uh, mm-hmm. they want to use the band to control PowerPoint uh, presentations. In fact, yeah, uh, we were working with the PowerPoint remote. Uh, the I think it's Office on Windows Phone, the the, yeah. the Office remote app, and they yeah. wanted to do exactly the same thing. They were like, we can just connect the band to the to the app, and then you can just do cool things using the band to your okay. PowerPoint. You should have them talk to me because I already wrote it. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> I actually did it. I did it in a better way than they did because they they do they have a com add in, and mine actually just uses a regular like Office three sixty five add in. Um, so theoretically it should work everywhere, but right now it works in the windows version of PowerPoint and you just go into the store and you grab the app and you're done. Well, I'm, I'm um, totally interested in getting a hold of this app. Yes. <laughs> okay, cool. It's not published, unfortunately. Um, so, so what kind of things can you do with the band SDK? We should probably start there. I mean, so I, I think everybody is probably familiar with the, the Microsoft band. I mean, it's a smart device that has just a, a, a million sensors on it, plus or minus. <laughs> it's got a lot of sensors on it and you can tap into that. But what, what all can you do with the, with the SDK? So with the SDK, you can essentially do uh, three main uh, things. Mm-hmm. One of the things is the SDK allows you access to all of the sensors that are on the band. So, for example, with the Microsoft Band 2, uh, you have 11 sensors. Uh, all of those sensors provide data, and we call those uh, subscriptions. So with the SDK, you can actually subscribe. Your application can subscribe to data coming back from these sensors. Either you can get raw data from most of these sensors, or you can also actually get some curated data. So like things like steps and calories or other computed uh uh, outputs of those sensor data, you can actually listen to those. Uh, and then you can use the sensor data to make decisions. In your case, you were kind of, you implemented a gesture library and converted the accelerometer mm-hmm. into a into a gesture and use that. Yep. Uh, you can also use the biometric data and kind of make and an enrich the experience of your application. So like if you are a running app and you want to get heart rate data, you can you get the data for heart rate from the band and you can do all the other things on the on the app using the phone. So the SDK lets you do all of that. In addition, the Microsoft Band also has a nice screen. It's a colored screen, touch screen on the band. Uh, the SDK allows you to actually uh, send data to the band. So you can take the experience of your applications and you can extend uh, a subset of that experience onto the Microsoft Band. So now the user can actually view as an auxiliary display on their wrist information coming from your applications on the Microsoft Band. And in addition, you can now interact with your application from the Microsoft Band because we provide uh, support for buttons and other events 
uh, from the Microsoft band that your application can listen into and then take decisions. So uh, a cool example that we recently have done is uh, one of the devs on our team implemented a Tesla application where they can actually control the Tesla uh, uh, from the band. So they can start, okay. they can honk the horn if they wanted to, or they can unlock the car just from the wrist. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, so you can so is it so so walk me through that because then the the band so they're like pushing a button on the band, which is ultimately getting received as a signal in the application running on their phone, right? Yep. And then they're going out and making probably some web API call. Absolutely. So you, okay, you could do that, or you could actually, if with that event, if there was something on the on the phone, you could actually take actions on the phone. You can do whatever at that point. If you have connectivity, you can go to a service, which is the case uh, in the case of a Tesla app uh, that this guy was doing. Uh, so that's the other thing that the uh, might one of the third things, uh, which is kind of like a you know small customization feature of the SDK is that it allows you to personalize the Microsoft band look and feel. So you can actually allow uh, your users to take uh, any image and then send it as a background of the Microsoft band. That could be image that the user chooses as one of their photos, or it could be image that you create in your application, which is, which can overlay content of your application and then send that down. So on the home screen oh. of the Microsoft Band, you can actually have data showing up. Uh, that is, I didn't even think of that. How often can that update the the background? You can update it as often as you want. It's just that the update actually takes a few seconds, but I mean, okay. it doesn't require any user interaction. So I mean, if your application is doing it, let's say you know, for lack of a better example, just the current weather. Uh, you can yeah. just glance over on the on the band and the home screen. You will see actually uh, what the weather is. It could have an yeah. icon uh, overlaid over a picture and the actual tem- temperature that is uh, currently the temperature outside. So you can do those things. You can also change the color uh, theme of the band. So you can change the the colors of the tiles and the and the overall scheme of the band using the SDK. Okay, I'm going to ask you like a really inappropriate question, so I apologize ahead of time. <laughs> are there any apps where I can push a button on the band and then make like a farting sound on the phone? Are there any of those published? I I don't know. Um, okay. I would be There's a reason why I'm asking you, by the way. So <laughs> I, I, I to... think uh, I would be surprised if there isn't. <laughs> okay, because I actually I actually found an article yesterday. The Apple Store will not allow those on the Apple Watch. Oh wow. And I was, I was disappointed. Like I can understand, like they, they set up rules, you know, they didn't want to be like overrun with like fart apps, but like there's none at all on the Apple watch. <laughs> so, um, I, hopefully people can go to the, the band and get that. Cause you know, for me, I want it, my kids, trust me, we're going to have like an hour of fun with that. So I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to search the store for that. Uh- yeah, I mean, do search. I I would be surprised if there isn't. Uh, yeah, I know these mainly because these are apps that are fun to play around with for a little bit, and they just provide you entertainment. Yeah. Well, just I would just like a remote soundboard. I know, which I think would be incredible. So I'm gonna I'm gonna look around for that. If Carl finds one, he'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So how do I get started with the SDK? So getting started with Microsoft and SDK is, is actually very, very simple. So depending on what is the, you, first of all, you have to decide which, what platform is your platform of choice. Microsoft and SDK is supported on all major mobile platforms, uh, Android, iOS, uh, and Windows. So mm-hmm. depending on which platform is your platform of choice, as a developer, you just have to have all the setup for that native environment uh, with you. So if, let's say, I'm a uh, Windows developer, I love to develop with Visual Studio. So on my PC or my developer uh, machine, I just need to have Visual Studio installed. And if I'm developing for Windows Phone, obviously I need to have the Windows Phone SDK. Um, and once you have all of that set up, all you really need is you need to go to NuGet and grab the uh, the Microsoft Band SDK and import that into your packet, uh, into your uh, project, and you're ready to go. 
So once you have the Microsoft Band SDK inside of your uh, project, you can create what we call a Microsoft Band client uh, from your application. That client essentially acts as a proxy and represents everything that the band can do. So using that band client, then you can actually subscribe to sensors. You can create your own tile. You can send layouts and send pages into the Microsoft Band. You can cause the Microsoft Band to vibrate and you can change the wallpaper and everything you want to do. So really all you need is set up your environment for the platform that you're building for and then just go in and get the Microsoft SDK, Band SDK and you're ready to go. Yeah, you guys, you make this like so incredibly easy. I mean, I, I just, I don't want that to be understated. Like it, it's actually, I almost think it's easier to go out there and use the SDK than it is to like talk about using it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just, it is so simple. I mean, you can, cause you can go out there and there's some sample code out there. So you, you pull in the, the SDK with the, with the NuGet, you paste in some code, you run your application and you're, you're running yeah. like that's that's awesome yes yeah you're absolutely correct when we were giving the talk one of the things that we were discussing was how much time should i spend in, in powerpoint talking about all the things you can do versus yeah. you know why don't we just pop up visual studio yeah, just and show it in you know 10 minutes you can actually create end-to-end project with the microsoft and sdk that will actually do you know yeah. sensor streaming or even do cool things like turn the lights on in your house yeah and and very cool and even to kind of like further that comment there's a a pdf with uh, documentation on the ms band with code in all three platforms as well as c sharp and c plus plus for windows and it's only like 60 pages yeah and that's everything you and need. it's everything <laughs> so i mean it, it's not light but it, i mean it gets right to the point and just shows you how quickly you can do all of this yeah, yeah. And, and most of our packages actually if you if you go to the our website uh, the mics you will see that there are download links for windows android and ios and each one of those actually has sample code that you can just download and compile and just run straight away so you don't really need to actually copy paste or anything you can actually run the project and it will just work yeah one thing that pdf is very useful one thing that was missing that you know in 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 hindsight i feel really dumb but the um I, I was always getting a value off the accelerometer. I, 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 and I emailed your team and I'm like, it, it's sitting on my desk and it's like reading one on this one sensor. And then I, I move it and I re- it reads one in this other direction. I'm like, why, why aren't I getting zeros? And they're like, uh, cause of gravity dummy. Oh, I remember that email. And I think yeah. I replied to that email when you said, yeah, that. I think I think you might have. <laughs> and it makes sense in hindsight, but like, uh, you know, somebody who just doesn't think that way. Cause I, I think accelerometer, I think like change in movement, um, but I didn't think in, in terms of like the force of gravity, like you guys are actually measuring, you know, like this, uh, universal force that yeah. exists in the world. So I think since then we actually updated the document to say that the accelerometer sensor gives you value in G's. So if you're sitting on okay. S, it'll at least have one G in at least the downward direction. Awesome. Perfect. So at least, at least I was able to improve that a little bit. Um, so the sensors, um, getting the data off there and, and, uh, sorry for my dog barking. She's really excited about the band. Um, (laughs) (laughs) what, what resolute, like the, the, I know that I can get data off of pretty much every sensor on there. Some of them are, seem like crazy resolution, like, you know, cause I'm tapping in the accelerometer, you can do gyroscope, things like that. Uh, what is the resolution of that data off of there? So different sensors give you data in different uh, different resolutions. So some of them, okay. like accelerometer, we have variable uh, subscription. So you can subscribe yep. to it at a very granular, which I think is about 60 hertz. Or you could go down and you know you can ask for 30 hertz or even less, uh, depending on your needs. Yeah. So 
there are sensors that have variable, same for gyroscope. Uh, but then there are sensors that, you know, it doesn't make any sense to give you more than one sample per second. For example, the heart rate uh, or RR, right. <laughs> the RR intervals. We give you samples kind of like on a six, uh, you know, uh, once per uh, per second. So basically one hertz. Uh, there are other things where it doesn't matter, like the contact sensor from ExoBand. Uh, so if you're putting the band on and you take it off, you don't want to know that the band is on every second. We just tell you uh, we raise an event whenever the state changes. So there are certain oh, okay. sensors where Makes you sense. only get a data back when the state changes. So yeah, I mean, in the documentation, there's a table that documents you know the frequencies uh, for each sensor and what data comes back with each of those. Okay. So let's talk about web tiles because web tiles are pretty cool. In fact, we have one for the MS Dev Show. What what is the address for that, Carl? MSDevShow.com/band.webtile. Okay, cool. So the the day that web tiles came out, I went out there and, and created one. And Carl has thus since uh, removed all of my bugs and, and fixed it. Yes. <laughs> uh, so if there's any remaining bugs, <laughs> Carl is to blame. Uh, but that the um, the web tiles, I, you know, I'll, I'll give like my perspective, and then I want to I want to hear yours on it. You know, uh, the our web tile, what it does is it just you know we we literally just host like this XML file out there. I think it's zipped up. And then we host it on our website. You pull it down and your phone says, well, I know what to do with a web tile. I'm going to send that to the band app. It ultimately installs it as an app. I, I, you know, I put app in like air quotes on, on the band and uh, it shows us our show logo and you can click on it and it'll show you all the different episodes. You can't play them or anything like that. You know, we're not that sophisticated at this point, but um, it's really cool. So do you want to talk about web tiles a little bit? Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's one of my favorite features. Uh, so when we developed the SDK uh, with Microsoft Band 1 and Microsoft Band 2, one of the key feedback that we got internally when we were using the SDKs as well, I mean, it allows you to build very rich experiences uh, that require interaction with the band. Uh, you can get the sensors, you can do the creation of tiles and get events. But the if you know, in order to create even a simple experience where you just want to say, I want to create something and just send hello world to band, it's, it requires you to kind of set up your native environment. So you need to be at least a developer for either Windows, Android, or iOS. Uh, you need to have the, you know, Android Studio or, you know, uh, whatever the Visual Studio or uh, what is the Xcode uh, IDE for uh, for iOS installed. Then you have to set up all the SDKs and get all the packages. Then you have to create an app. And inside of that app, then you have to kind of use the SDK. <laughs> it's, to kind it's so easy, but you're just like, I'm going to make this sound really yeah. difficult. So, I mean, it, it <laughs> but is. it's, it's yeah, for, for, a, for a certain, you know, for people who are like writing HTML and, and aren't really, I don't want to call them not developers, but they're not like in code. Yes. Yeah, so it's difficult. If you're not an application developer and you want an experience which is very simple and you don't want to write the experience three different times and then have to go through the hoops of publishing that application and then marketing it. Then we were like, so we must provide with a way, uh, our developers with a way where you can like, build a simple experience where they write their code. And I say code in quotes because you're really not really writing code with reptiles. It's just some simple manifest JSON. Uh, so you write it once. And then why don't we take the power of the, the fact that we have the Microsoft Health app installed on all platforms and we know exactly how to communicate with the Microsoft band. So we, we use that horsepower and then we basically just magically take that web tile and, and bring it to life on the Microsoft band by, by using our Microsoft Health and our, our code. So that was the initial motivation. So the way we did it is we established a, a certain format. Um, so if you have JSON, XML, or um, Atom, uh, which are the RSS feed formats. If you have well-formed uh, data like that on the uh, on the internet, you can point to an existing data source or you can create your own data source, which I think what you guys have done. Mm -hmm. uh, 
and you basically uh, tell uh, through a, a manifest file exactly what data within that XML or well-formed data, what parts of the data are you interested in, and you also specify the kind of layouts that you want that data to appear on the band, and we provide you with a way of describe, you know, uh, some predefined templates, which so it's very easy to pick. Once you establish that, you have essentially done the data bindings. Then you uh, put that web tile or that manifest file up on the internet. You can send it through email or you can send it through a text message, whatever way you want to share. When you click on it, the Microsoft Health app takes it, parses the relevant data out, creates a tile on the Microsoft band, and then sets it up so that in the background, every time the we get a chance to run every 30 minutes or 15 minutes, we actually go and fetch the latest data from that data source and then populate it in the Microsoft band. So your Microsoft band is always kind of up to date with the latest. Yeah. So it's very simple. It doesn't uh, you require you to have any knowledge of C++ or Objective-C or any other programming languages. It does not require you to actually do multiple times the same work for different platforms. And it's just so easy to set it up and get going. Uh, that it takes literally takes less than an hour from end to end. From- yeah, it took me it took me 15 minutes. I did it right before a show one time and surprise Carl. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, the motivation was to make sure that it's the barrier to entry is very easy for yeah. people who don't want to build an elaborate experience, but also to kind of make sure that you have a presence and you can actually, you know, market it and have something on the band uh, for people to to enjoy. Yeah, our show's really taken off since we, <laughs> since we made that. <laughs> I don't know if it was the tile, but you know, we'll just assume it was. We we do have since uh, since the time we launched web tiles. Uh, when we did initially, we didn't have any central place uh, for people to host uh, web tiles. Mm-hmm. Now uh, Microsoft has a web tile gallery that we are hosting. Oh, really? So I would really like you guys to at least Ooh. yeah send that web tile to us and submit it. And we'll we'll do that. We will host it for you. Okay, and we're in the process of making sure that anybody actually out there is able to submit their web tiles uh, if they think that it's something that they create. Web tiles are one of those things which can be very personal. So you can create it for your own self. It could be my the the status of my home automation system. So maybe it's, in that case, it's not something that I want to share. <laughs> yeah. But if it is something, you know, if you if it is sports scores for your favorite team, and you know, you can say, okay, I, I'll tell you interesting tidbits about Seahawks. Now that's something that people really like to know. So for those kind of web tiles, we want people to be able to share them and provide a central place for people to host and all of our users to go and download those and encourage them to actually install those. Okay, I think I found it. So how do I submit to this? At this point, do I just have to email you? Right now, you can just send it to me. Uh, We're in the process of formalizing that so that developers can submit it. Carl, I got to interrupt this for just a second and I want to talk about Infragistics. Yeah, if you comment uh, on Facebook, on Twitter, on our website, you have a chance to win the ultimate license from Infragistics. And this is pretty cool because it covers a lot of stuff. Um, They have controls for Android, iOS, Windows Phone, Windows 8, ASP.NET, MVC, WPF, jQuery, HTML5, just tons of stuff. And they even have stuff for Xamarin Forms. So if you're trying to hit all three major mobile platforms with one, they got controls to help you out there. If you need tabular stuff uh, with their grids, they got really cool controls to help make that look uh, just really sharp. Charting, gauges, barcodes, it's all pretty simple using their controls. And if you just have some uh, simple prototyping needs, they have a product called Indigo Studio too. It lets you get that prototype done so you can show this to the stakeholders and you know sell your ideas. 
Yeah, what I love about that, you can just send them a link and they can actually navigate through the app. But uh, like you mentioned earlier, all of these controls across all these different platforms, this is great. I mean, most people don't just develop one type of app now. So being able to to go and use these controls in every type of app all under one ultimate license is is really big plus. If we don't select you uh, each week, you could try again next week. And if you can't wait, they have free demos. So you can try it out for a month, download the demos and try it today. Yeah, check it out at infragistics.com. They're a free trial, so you have nothing to lose. And remember, each week, if we pick your comment on the show, you get the ultimate edition for free, which includes everything. We thank them for their support of the MS Dev Show. And and you also have a really nice tool on that band uh, developer website to even walk, have a generator that walks somebody through building that, where you yes. put in your information piece by piece. And at the end, that actual web tile is built for you. Yeah, so that's the that's the authoring tool that we wrote. Uh, you can easily write this in Notepad if you're a little more savvy. But in order to make it easy, very very simple and easy for people, we just provide this five step authoring tool where you go in and the first step you say, okay, what template do I want to use, and then the second step you provide the data source that you want to use for uh, for that template, and then you basically provide the data bindings. Now we've added support for notifications. So for example, every time there is a new show uh, for MS Dev Show. You can actually in the in the payload that comes back, you can have a keyword that every time that keyword is seen, you can create a notification and the user will actually be notified and saying, "Oh, the new episode is now available or something." So it's it and the authoring tool lets you do all of those things uh, and gets you going very very quickly. So when I look at the band from like a from a consumer perspective, I see that it it was very thoughtfully built for very specific scenarios. What kind of scenarios did you have in mind when you guys were developing the SDK? So uh, that's a very good, interesting question because the the, the first part of the question is when we built the band, we had a very specific uh, target audience in mind. And that audience was people who are, you know, either fitness enthusiasts who want to get better and manage their health better and they want to, to live a healthier life. Uh, so with those things in mind, we provided experiences like our run experience, our workout experience, our biking experience, continuous heart rate monitoring and providing, you know, data in our dashboard to, you know, about your sleep and other things. So so that was the purpose of the the consumer aspect of the band. Uh, when I joined the team, I I was a big proponent of uh, with my background coming from a web platform. I said, we, we have a really nice device here. We, we should build a platform so that people who do not necessarily fall into the bucket of our primary consumer, we should allow the developer community to create experiences that can then bring more consumers into our uh, ecosystem. So the band SDK was specifically provided to enable any developer who wants to build ex- experience like a productivity experience or a connectivity experience uh, uh, to be able to you know, create those experiences and bring the Microsoft band to more consumers. One of the surprising things that we saw with the SDK was that the medical and the research community really jumped on it because all of a sudden they had a device that was able to provide them with sensor information that usually cost a lot of money for them to build if they have to commoditize a device for clinical trials or just doing research or medical research, they actually have to spend a lot of money. And now they all of a sudden had a device with an SDK that was providing that data to them without having to do anything. Uh, so those uh, that's a huge community that actually heavily uses the Microsoft Band to do their research and, uh, and studies, uh, which is not really consumer-facing, but it really kind of helps uh, move the, the health and wellness cause forward. So those are kind of the uber motivations that we had when we built the SDK. 
Very cool. Um, do you have, I, I guess those are, that was a couple of good examples. Do you have any other really good examples of people who are using the SDK? Like do you, do you have some cool app recommendations or just, you know, things that you can talk about? Uh, I, I don't keep a daily pulse on, uh, on the apps. I mean, there are all kinds of apps where people are using the SDK to, to control games on the phones there. Yeah. I've seen some of those. Yeah. There are apps that are, uh, you know, I would really like to see your app that does the PowerPoint, uh, controls. Yep. Uh, there are other simple apps where you know you can do air guitaring when you're wearing the band, and it kind of <laughs> makes guitar sounds. Uh, so cool, fun things like that. And then there are some serious apps, um, like uh, two months ago, uh, Dexcom, which is a glucose monitoring uh, device maker, one of the largest uh, device makers in that category. They actually have an app which is called the Follow app, where you can actually follow. Uh, your if if I'm the if I'm a parent and my kid has uh, diabetes, and the kid is wearing a monitor, I want to know what is this the the glucose value and what is the trend for for my child's glucose. So they they have an app that does that, and they extended and integrated that app with the Microsoft Band. So now with my Microsoft Band, I can always with one touch instead of having to take my phone out or all doing anything, I can actually check the the glucose um, value for my kid. Uh, and it can also provide me notification if the value is going up too fast or if it's going to uh, down low very quickly. So yeah, there are serious apps which are really make an impact. And then there are some fun apps, you know, like the farting apps or the air guitar apps, which are just for fun. <laughs> yeah, in, in my experience, and, and actually, the, I guess there was, I think there was a study recently that that backed this up. I mean, everybody's trying to figure out where these where these devices fit in. And what, what they found is, you know, 80%, well, I, and I'm throwing up and I'm throwing out a number just to kind of make a point, but like 80%, maybe even higher, let's say 90% of the value of these things. And not to say there's not another 10%, but 90% is getting that information on your wrist notifications and being able to see that real time information like that alone. That's like, that is like the, the killer use case for these, for these devices. Cause I I've played around with, with a couple different things and, and that's what is, that's what's sticky for me. That's what I end up going back to. Um, you know, if I could control my lights with it, um, okay, that might be kind of cool. And like you said, I might play air guitar for a little bit, but, um, I, you know, I still think the, the, the most common use case, maybe not the, the most useful, but the most common use case is not having to take my phone out of my pocket. And the band does an awesome job out of that, doing that. And the band too, does an even better job of that being able to um, get that information on your wrist. So that's, that's great to hear people using it for like medical information or, um, you know, whatever is important to them. Yes. It's very cool. Yeah. And, and these are all in addition to all the, the core value that the band provides, uh, directly to the person wearing the band, which is like, they do continuous biometric monitoring on you and then we provide yeah. you with data. Uh, one of the key things that I benefited a lot from was I always thought I used to get very good sleep and yeah, I, had, I was wondering if this was going to come up. Yeah. Yeah. Sleep, and, yeah. And ever since I started wearing the band, uh, I mean, I it really gave me an insight into my sleeping habits and how much time I spend just lying in bed before going to sleep, just doing yeah. emails or doing other things. And reality was I was getting like five hours of sleep every day. And I really wouldn't know why I was feeling, you know, not good in the next morning. But now I actually have quantified data to know, okay, you know, I slept with a 95% efficiency. So that's, and what are the things that I did? Uh, what time did I go to bed? What time did I wake up? Yeah, there's yeah, yeah resting heart rate, how many times you woke up and then, yeah, the amount of restful sleep. So what is, what is normal? I know you're not a doctor, <laughs> not playing one, but how much restful sleep should I be getting? I, I really don't know. It's, I've seen people who actually get 
like my wife, for example, when she has a good night's sleep, she has like three hours of restful sleep uh, out of okay. her, you know, six or seven. And hours. I've seen people like that too. Yeah. Mine last night, for example, was 59 minutes. Yeah, I always get around an hour, maybe an hour and 30 minutes of restful okay. sleep. And I've had nights where I've actually gotten none. Uh, so Yeah, I was sick one time. <laughs> And, uh, and I was actually like, you know, I was like sort of asleep, but I woke up and it's at zero minutes of restful sleep. So that's how we know it's accurate. Like it, it matches my experience. Exactly. That that's the thing where we really don't, you know, you can lie about these things, right? I mean, you're, mm -hmm. you're asleep, you wake up, I can tell you whatever, like you don't know. It's just a random there, yes, <laughs> But I mean, it's, it's examples. You're right. You're right. It's examples like the one that you just gave where you know that I was sick and I don't feel good in the morning and the band kind of yeah. corroborates and says, yes, you absolutely got no restful sleep. Yep. So, you know, knowing that information, it kind of helps me, you know, make a decision saying, okay, maybe I should go to bed early today, or maybe I should do something that makes sure that I have good sleep recovery the next day. So yeah. those things really, really, I think uh, people who are serious about, and I think everybody should be serious about getting healthier and having a good pulse on, uh, on their, on their health. Uh, in this day and age, you know, my car tells me how many miles it can go before it run out of gas. Uh, I don't see why we shouldn't pay as much attention to our own bodies, knowing, you know, what is the exact, everything is so, uh, instrumented in our surroundings, why shouldn't our own selves be? So Okay, so my new app idea now is basically a death clock that is based <laughs> off of the MS band data. <laughs> based, on, based on your information, this is when you're going to die be because you only get 59 minutes of sleep. <laughs> yes. so, so looking at the, the SDKs, you have one for iOS, Android, and Windows, and those all came out right at the same time. Are there any differences between the SDKs or are they all pretty much in sync? Um, in terms of the functionality, uh, we tried very hard to make sure the API surface is almost identical. Uh, mm -hmm. The Whatever things you can do theoretically on Android uh, or iOS, you should be able to do on Windows. Uh, the reality is uh, the three platforms are tremendously different in so many ways. They're similar in a lot of senses, but the implementations are so different. Uh, so the experience might be slightly different for the developer. Uh, as an example, for example, uh, I'll give is on Android, for example. Uh, Android has this idea of intents, uh, which basically meant an app can wake up any other app. Uh, Android developers are very familiar with, with the concept and they use it heavily. What that enables us to do is even if you're if you write an app for Microsoft Band and that app is not running uh, uh, or it's completely not active on the phone, uh, if the user actually takes an action that is on the band, which is relevant to your application, we have an ability to go and wake up your app on the phone and tell you that, hey, your user is trying to do something with your app. Uh, okay. You want to take an action. So we use intents to do that. Now on Windows, until Windows 10, and Windows 10 is great in this sense, we, we did not have this idea of app contracts or app services as we call them on Windows 10. So on Windows 8.1, if you wrote an app and the app is not running uh, in the foreground, it's impossible for any other application, including Microsoft Health or any anything that we run on the phone to be able to go and wake up the application. So in those cases, things were slightly different. The experience was different. We're trying to, with Windows 10, we're working very hard to kind of make, uh, you know, close that gap as well. But there are small little differences like that. But overall, in terms of the experience and the user or as a dev experience, we try very hard to make sure the API services is almost identical. So as a developer, you don't have to worry about, oh, how do I do this on, on, on Windows versus Android? You know, you call the same kind of an interface. Of course, it's going to be in Java versus C Sharp, but, you know, the experience is going to be very similar. Okay. Yeah. 
Um, and I noticed out there next to the documentation, there are design guidelines, which I made fun of earlier. Uh, well, design guidelines in general, I made fun of not these ones. Yeah. Uh, so what's in there? Like what, what do I have to, you know, what, is, what does the design world look like on a, on a band? So, you know, we have a, on Microsoft band, all the experiences that we built for, uh, as first party experience in Microsoft band are very heavily driven by, uh, our design team. Uh, so we are a product which is a design first and experience driven product. So our design team does an exceptionally good job of making sure that the experience across all of the, the first party experiences is, is, is unified and it, it makes sense for the user. Uh, small little things when you get to devices like the Microsoft Band, mm-hmm. uh, how many seconds before the user gets bored of looking at a small uh, small screen on their wrist? Those things yeah. are pretty important. And your arm gets tired. Yeah, so. so if you ever try to hold up your wrist and kind of interact with it for more than 15 seconds, you will realize that it becomes taxing on you. So there yeah. is a sweet spot. And you know those are the kind of things that our design team has done, user studies and research. So then they what they do is they recommend those same guidelines to developers saying, oh, if you're building an application and it's interacting with the band, try to see in order to maximize the best user experience, you know, you shouldn't take more than you shouldn't provide with an interaction that lasts more than let's say eight to ten seconds, because yeah. that's the intention of the band. That's how the band is supposed to be used. Of course, you can choose to ignore them, and you can have something that is you know completely different. But uh, following the design guidelines kind of makes sure that, in terms of visual as well as interactive uh, experience, it kind of doesn't. Uh, it, there isn't a very big divide between the first party experiences that we built for the Microsoft band and any third party experiences that a developer is built. Okay. Yeah. So you've just done a lot of work for me knowing like the things that I shouldn't do, which is really cool. Exactly. And I shouldn't make an app that looks completely different than everything else if I can avoid it. Yes. So I mean, okay. those are Very the things because cool. it's helpful for the user because it doesn't break the visual uh, continuity that they have. Right. Uh, and it doesn't stand out as a sore thumb uh, for, for the user. Yeah. Okay. So what's new on the band itself software-wise, not SDK, but just in like what's what can I expect on the band software? As a as a user of the band too, so between Microsoft Band, uh, we, uh, version one and version two, uh, we made a lot of changes on the software side of the house. But the good thing was most of the benefits of those software changes were brought back to Microsoft Band one as well. So since we launched uh, Microsoft Band one, we introduced uh, a bike tile or a golf experience uh, in Microsoft Band one, which automatically comes to Microsoft Band two. But most the good thing about building a software experience separate from the the actual physical hardware is we can decide you know that certain experiences if they can be enabled for version 1 they should be enabled for version 1 so uh, if you go at the difference between Microsoft Band 1 when it was launched versus when all the experiences that we had uh, when Microsoft Band 2 was launched there's a huge list of features that was added the the beauty of our process is that most of those features are also present for Microsoft Band 1 uh, uh, certainly, there are things in the Microsoft Band 2 that are not present in the Microsoft Band 1. Like we have a barometer, uh, barometer sensor on the Microsoft Band 2, and we build experiences like we now uh, tell you how many floors you climb. Um, so that is an experience that obviously cannot be pushed back to Microsoft Band 1 because the hardware doesn't support it. So there are things like that. Uh, obviously, with the Band 2, you'll realize that the, the fit and comfort is, is much better than uh, Microsoft Band 1. Uh, but in terms of software, we try to make sure that we bring as much of the software goodness 
uh, that we bring to Microsoft to back into Microsoft N1 users because we don't want to just leave those users. Yeah, that's that that brings up a good point. I mean, I don't it doesn't see it doesn't really feel like anybody who has the cuz I still have the the band 1, my 2 is supposed to show up next week. And it doesn't feel, I mean, other than the sensors and things like that, I think software wise, it seems like I'm very well supported. And I've seen the original band on sale now for, um, I've seen it on sale a couple of times for like 80 bucks. Yeah. Um, I saw one time when it, I think it was even cheaper than that, which is crazy. So if you want to get, if anybody wants to get into this with, you know, doesn't have a lot of money, that's incredible yes. um, that you can do that. And you can develop using, you know, almost all entirely, you should be able to actually develop this using all free tools. So you could be making a band application for, for almost no money. Yes. Uh, which is, which is really cool. All of our, so yeah, all of our band applications that were written for band one, we made sure that when band two came along, all of yeah. those were still working. We made sure backward compatibility was a highest priority for us. Yeah. Same with web tiles. You create a web tile, the web tile can work on uh, Microsoft band one and two. You don't have to do anything special for it to work on those two platforms. And yeah, all of our software features, all the improvements we make and get as much of that back to Microsoft Band One, which is a fantastic device, uh, you know, which was the first uh, step that we took into in this space, and people loved it. People had very good things to say about it. Uh, we took a lot of the feedback. We brought all the software goodness forward. We uh, introduced the curved screen, which a lot of people wanted. We made yep. comfort and fit much nicer. Uh, and uh, you will, when when your Band Two shows up, Jason, you will see, you know, that the fit and it, it's going to feel a lot more comfortable on your wrist. Yeah. In terms of the experience, you're absolutely right. If someone just wants to get a feel for how this thing works, what are the experiences, what are the benefits, what's what's the goodness that I get from Microsoft Band, they can easily get a Microsoft Band 1 as well uh, at a much cheaper price point. Uh, and hopefully they would love it so much that they would go and want to buy the Band 2. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, then, and then they can gift the old one. Huh? Absolutely. <laughs> Christmas is coming up. Yeah. I- all right, so I, you know, I've had the original band, and I have the, I've had the band too for over a month now. And one of the things I've actually forgotten a, a, about time and time again is the Microsoft Health dashboard. Can you tell me what this is? Uh, yeah. So with the Microsoft Band on all three mobile platforms, we have applications uh, called the Microsoft Health, uh, which basically, essentially, is a front end uh, to all of the all the goodness of the data collected by Microsoft Band, and then going to Microsoft Health Service and all the processing that we do on the Microsoft uh, in the Microsoft Health Service on your data and kind of recommendations and uh, all the insights that we built based off of that data. Uh, so the Microsoft Band dashboard is is the similar experience is the extension of that experience onto the desktop or into the browsers. Uh, what that gives us is, you know, it's a much bigger real estate. Uh, we can do a lot more with our charts and our graphs. There's a lot more data that we can provide in there, which are which necessarily you wouldn't want to go and dig deeper into on a mobile device. Um, so things like you can compare yourself for uh, with people like yourself. So you say, okay, I get about, you know, six hours of sleep. I want to know how much does a male of my age group you know, what does that normally get? So we, we can do comparisons like that. Uh, there are more things like your uh, history. If you connect your Microsoft Band uh, or your Microsoft Health with, let's say, your health vault, all of your medical, uh, some of the medical data that you have there about your weight or your glucose or your blood pressure, those things also show up in there. You can also do things like your VO2 max, which is a measure of your fitness. Uh, which is a thing that we calculate inside of our Microsoft Health Service that is also uh, kind of bubbled up there. Uh, so there's a lot more rich data about yourself. Uh, and thank you for bringing it up. I really want our users uh, who are listening in who haven't gone to our dashboard to definitely go to dashboard.microsoftband.com and uh, kind of see all the goodness that is in there. Uh, a lot of it's very easy to go through historical data about yourself uh, to do comparisons and you know just 
all in all, a lot more insightful information uh, available on the dashboard. So this actually answered my question that I asked you earlier. So if you go into the comparisons section, um, you can pick people that are the same age as you and about the same BMI level, activity level. So I scroll down and time is sleep. It says I actually sleep more than uh, people in my group, but I get, um, it says I get about the same amount of restful sleep. Um, and my rest sleep restoration is, uh, is about the same. Yeah. My efficiency is tiny is a little bit lower, but it says is about as efficient. So most of these numbers are, I think within a margin of error. Yeah. So yeah. But I mean, if you really want to compare with, uh, how do I compare with somebody who's 10 years younger to me? And, you know, I really want to get into shape so that I, I look 25 and I'm 35. So then you go and say, okay, <laughs> what are those guys okay. doing? How many steps are those guys taking? How much, oh, that's a good point. Yeah, how much running do they do or how much exercise ah, do they get? I still got them beaten steps. <laughs> I'll take that. Yeah. We, we live in a world where people really don't move a lot. Yeah. It's, yeah. The, the bar is pretty low. <laughs> so you can, you can make yourself feel good about yourself. You just go for a walk every once in a while. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This is, this is really cool. So I'm uh, you can call me uh, Mr. Average apparently. Um, yeah. My numbers look pretty normal, but this would be awesome if I saw like some kind of anomaly. Um, I'd love to see that. Cause like I always wondered too about my heart rate. Yeah. So it looks like, so my daily resting heart rate is 53. The average for my group is 53, like on the dot. Oh. Um, so that that's good to know. Because if it was like 10 lower or 10 higher, then, you know, that would be cause for concern. Well, maybe 10 lower would not be such a concern. I, 45 would be or 44, 43 would be a fantastic uh, resting yeah. heart rate. Uh, usually very, very fit athletes usually have that uh, heart rate. But yeah, yeah, if it was like 60 plus, that's probably not a very uh, good sign for you. <laughs> Again, we're we're not doctors, yeah. but yeah, if your number looks weird, go see. Go your see a doctor. That's the thing. <laughs> we're not a diagnosing. Uh, we're not going to recommend you. You know, yeah. your you know what what medicine to take, but it's just a system of knowing. I mean, I don't fix my own car, but the car tells me that something is wrong, and that's right, right. to the doctor. Yeah, yeah. The MS Dev Show does not provide medical advice. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, and then I saw there's a, there's a, there's a Microsoft health API. So is that basically tapping into the data on the health dashboard then? Uh, the health dashboard actually taps into the same APIs, pretty much some of the APIs that the Microsoft health API provides. Yeah. So, oh, okay. So there's like, there's like a database somewhere that, that has an API on top of it. Yep. Microsoft health dashboard taps into that as well as the app then I assume. So the Microsoft health dashboard, obviously, uh, if I'm logged in, it it gets access to a lot more data. Uh, mm-hmm. Microsoft Health API is allowed is meant for third party applications uh, to with your consent to get data from your uh, from your account on Microsoft Health. So obviously you won't get as detailed data, but you can get a lot of data from the Microsoft Health APIs. You can get you know uh, examples are you can get a summary of all of your workouts or all of your runs uh, or your sleep patterns. So those things you can build and in you know enhance the experience of another application by getting data from Microsoft Health. You can get summaries about your steps and calories and other things. So just kind of get fitness data about your user and kind of have an application or a service show that uh, that data in, inside of that app. Yeah, so I was just clicking around here on the Microsoft Health uh, dashboard and under my account settings, there's a, there's a spot to export my data. And I was wondering how, how much of this so I, I can download that as a CSV and process it myself, but is there anything that it's missing from the, the health API with what I can export here? Or is that pretty much, you know, everything that uh, Microsoft knows about my health? Uh, I, off the top of my head, I don't know if there's any difference. Uh, I think okay. the data that you can export probably would be almost 
uh, a superset of what the health APIs expose. Uh, yeah, I mean, I can definitely go and dig deeper into uh, by exporting okay. the data and kind of see. But it's kind of yeah. the same idea. If you don't want to use a pro, if you don't want to write an app uh, to kind of programmatically get the data from the service, you can just export your data and then do whatever if you want. If you're a Power BI guy, you want to do whatever. Uh, <laughs> But you said the you said the API has it has all the details, right? It has all the details, but okay. it might not have you know access to certain things. Like you know, in the in the dashboard, we expose things like your VO two max or your sleep restoration. Yeah, and I got those you. are things that we have proprietary oh, calculated. Yeah, we are calculating in the cloud. We oh, have okay. proprietary algorithms. That yeah, want to give those data away. Yeah. The reason I was curious was just data portability because I you know I used a Fitbit for years and then I switched over to the Microsoft Band yeah. and. Fitbit, they want to charge you to export that data yeah, and, and they'll give you like, you can, you, somebody's going to, you know, emails and say, no, 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 here's the export button. But it's like, it's not very granular data at all. It's, it's, I don't remember what it was. It was like steps per week or something. Yeah. It was just kind of ridiculous. And, and I, I just felt like, you know, that was my data and they just like stole all my data and it's still locked up at like, you know, Fitbit HQ right now. Yeah. So, I mean, we don't charge for the export to Excel or CS, yeah. CSV uh, format, but I, again, I'll have to look exactly into if there's anything that's not in that data that we have. Yeah. Uh, well, the fact that there's a pretty wide open <laughs> API, I think is, yeah. is a, is a good start. Yeah. And I, I exported a few months of my data and it looks like it's a daily roll up. Okay. Yeah. So that's which is reasonable. Yeah. I mean, we, we there will be a lot more data if we give you the exact you know accelerometer or every sensor and every value that comes back from that sensor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it doesn't it wouldn't make any sense? Yeah. Cool. Um, anything else you want to talk about? Can you talk about any uh, any future plans? You know, just since it's it's just you know it's just us and our listeners, so you can tell us <laughs> you can tell us all the secrets. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like you know not using SSL because you know it's boring. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're, yeah. We're we're not using SSL, so you can tell us everything. Yeah, we can trust we can trust everyone with a with a headset and an internet connection right now. Um, yeah, if they're smart enough to get this podcast, then we should we should really just tell them the no, whole roadmap. I, I can tell you that the the future is very exciting. Uh, the things that we're working on that we are very excited about. Uh, the technology is is fast changing. There are so many things happening in this space, um, and we are, uh, you know, we're we're trying our best to stay ahead of the curve. Um, unfortunately, we can't talk about specifics, but I mean, I I do want to get people excited that there is a lot more coming, uh, and they should be really excited about the product. Cool. Mike's up hand, yeah. Cool. So you're hard at work. That's good to hear. Yep. <laughs> Okay, uh, Carl, what do we have for the dev tip of the week? So this is a dev tip for Visual Studio 2015, and it's a, an extension called the Breakpoint Generator extension. So <laughs> that's horrible. So <laughs> the kind of use case behind this is if you're just jumping into like this new project and it's large. So if it's a small project, you can put a few breakpoints and kind of you know walk along, but a big one it, that would be really hard to do in a useful manner. So what this does is you can uh, it'll put this uh, UI in there so you can generate breakpoints and it'll put uh, a breakpoint on the first line of every public method and every public property in the classes and projects that you say it can. Okay. So if like I said, if you got into like a you know like an eighty project solution, you bust it open, you kind of just want to run it and kind of see where you know the spaghetti code leads you. Oh, I got you. Okay. This makes it a lot easier for you to do that. So you don't just have to F5 every line. 
you can kind of okay. jump between the methods. See I was where it's thinking going. you were pretty crazy up until that point. Now, oh, I like it. Slightly less so. I like it. I mean, it, it is. <laughs> it, it's also really good if you're a consultant, just kind of getting into something new yeah. and just, you're just trying to figure out the new system. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I wish we had something like that when I was uh, debugging some of the IE code back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Okay. So Ali, we play a game on this show. I don't know if you've heard it, but uh, all I need you to do, I need you to pick a number between zero and five. Do I tell you the number? Yes. yes you can tell me the number. Four. Four. Okay. And then I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. Would you rather have to wear a Superman cape? <laughs> it's a game for kids. So so I, I'll, I'm going to substitute the word school for work. Would you rather have to wear a Superman cape to work for a whole year um, which I think would be pretty normal at Microsoft <laughs> or have to wear your pajamas with the feet sewn in them. Every time you go out to play for a whole year, I'll go out to play <laughs> every time you go out to the, out to lunch, let's say for a whole year. Oh, <laughs> uh, I'll go with the Superman costume. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I can always wear a suit on top of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, the thing is like, I, I've seen some of the stuff at the Microsoft campus. I'm, I'm pretty sure there's somebody who already does that. <laughs> I wouldn't, wouldn't be surprised. Surprise yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Carl, pick a number. I'll take number two. Number two. Would you rather have super powerful eyes? <laughs> I don't know. What does that mean? Um, or have super powerful ears? I guess it's like vision, vision, vision or, or hearing. hearing. Yeah. <laughs> Power, like, are you like nailing in nails or like your eyes? <laughs> uh, would you have super powerful vision or super powerful hearing? I think I think vision would be pretty awesome. Super yeah. powerful vision. Yeah. Trying to think of how we'd use that. Yeah, you're probably right, though. It depends on what the superpower means, right? I mean, if it, yeah, and can you it, and can you turn it off? Yeah. <laughs> that's that's true. I mean, can you see in the dark? Is that the superpower? Or you know, if it's foggy outside and you know you can't see beyond a certain yeah. distance, what good is that? Yeah, see, that would be cool. <laughs> see, if if it, vision though, I think is different than hearing because there's a whole part of your brain like dedicated to throwing out information that's not interesting. So it seems like it'd be easier to deal with additional information with hearing. Would it be like you're at like a, you know, a party with well, like, I, I can say, um, my wife can attest at, at least that there's a lot of things that are said around me that I don't hear. So I think I'm pretty good at uh, filtering out extra <laughs> noises. <laughs> uh, what did you say, Carl? Uh, <laughs> exactly. Okay. So, uh, okay. That's done. So Ali, where can people find you online? So uh, I do have a Twitter account. Uh, it's uh, my Twitter handle is uh, my first name and last name. So A-L-I-A-L-V-I. Uh, okay. And uh, that's pretty much the only real presence in terms of a professional network that I have. Uh, and, you know, if, if people are more interested in our uh, developer tools, they can always go to uh, developer.microsoftband.com. And there we have information about the SDK, the, the web tiles authoring tool, uh, as well as our cloud API. So I would encourage people to go there. So stop the presses here. You got a picture on here. It's you with Satya. Oh uh, yeah, that's. <laughs> <laughs> so so I I all I want to say is like you know since you know Satya and we know you, <laughs> I don't know I don't know what that means. Uh, that's so, two, <laughs> two degrees of separation. And, yeah, it means something. And that's actually a picture of uh, of me and Satya in my office. So he came to my office. Uh, this was about a year. A uh, little over a year ago, when Satya was showing a lot of interest in uh, all the things, that were, all the projects that were ongoing and were about. So this, is this before it was out then? Uh, this was before it was out. So I had was, to yeah, it looks like the day it came out. Yeah, no. So oh, the I day before to, it came out. I had to sit on that picture 
for about three months <laughs> because I couldn't share it because I was holding a Microsoft band in my hand uh, and I was with Satya, so I couldn't post it for the longest time. But yes, yeah, Sat- oh Satya came by and he, you know, he, he just had a technology into 15 minutes and uh, it was a fantastic experience. Uh, I mean, I was, I was super impressed by, you know, his knowledge and his, uh, you know, the, the, his vision and the kind of questions that he asked. It really, you know, shows his engineering background. Uh, wow! And then I was able to. That picture actually was taken by using the Microsoft band. So I actually used the SDK to hook up. Oh, to do like a remote shutter. Yeah. So I actually had the, the phone <laughs> up on the, and I asked him. I had to had the the guts to ask him to kind of stand in front of this phone. <laughs> <laughs> and then <laughs> and then hope that it actually works. Yeah, right? You know, but, I'm not saying you're a bad developer, but like, <laughs> yeah, you know, was, you're in front of Satya. That's when it's going to I fail. I was right? pitching the idea of the SDK <laughs> to him, and I was like, "Look, there's some cool things you can do, and you know, if you stand here, I can show you some one of those things." And you know, he was a good sport about it, and he he kind of laughed, and you know, he liked it. He said, "That's a good idea." <laughs> That is really cool. Okay, Carl, top that. Um, I can't. <laughs> okay, where can people find your boring stuff? You can find my boring stuff at wpdevguy.com or on Twitter at Carl Schweitzer. And you can find my boring stuff at whytechie.com or on Twitter at twitter.com slash whytechie. So, Ali, thank you so much for coming on here and talk about talking about Microsoft Band. And uh, sometime when you have uh, even more to talk about, in the future, definitely come back. We would love to have you on sometime. Oh, absolutely. This was fantastic. It was uh, absolutely great to talk to you guys. Be sure to subscribe by searching for MS Dev Show in your favorite podcasting app. Leave us a review at iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, or your podcast aggregator of choice. Visit us at msdevshow.com where you can leave comments, check out our links, show notes, and more. Visit us on Facebook at facebook.com slash msdevshow. You can send us your comments and feedback directly to feedback at msdevshow.com. 